Spags, we've had a long weekend to sober up, and it's time to do a real show with hard-hitting analysis, no tomfoolery. I mean, it's going to be very serious today because we actually have NFL games to talk about to reveal some injuries that are unfortunately going to affect things. So let's talk about the news that we're buying and selling based on preseason performances. And we're also going to hit back on the Best Ball Mania 3 drafts. Puppies filled, so we got to go draft for $10 million today on Underdog. Join along with us right after this intro. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I'm Chris Spaggs, joined by your friend of mine, Pete Overzet. And Pete, how are you feeling in the, the bright lights after, a, I would say, a rousing, but also perhaps too arousing performance for yourself on the Randomizer Thursday? Yeah, I've been on quite the bender because then I he headed up to a wedding over the weekend on uh, Friday and Saturday that I was in. So lots of drinking then. And uh, yeah, just about sweated it all out by this point but uh yes lots of rave reviews on our splash play slash randomizer show that i will never go and watch back myself but people say it was a great time yeah i saw i noticed it didn't get the usual fantasy life newsletter promo probably for very good reason because uh pete shown off the goods i feel like getting money for being nude on camera for i presume the first time in your career the funny thing is, Spags, is that wasn't even like a conscious decision. Like sometimes I remember to put it in, but I think there was just no chance in hell that I was going to link to that in the <laughs> newsletter. I got to pick my spots. So you got to earn it by subscribing to Pete's channel, go through the archives to check it out. And of course, subscribe to the Splash Play channel where this show is moving full time, starting with NFL week one. So go subscribe over there, youtube.com slash C slash Splash Play Pod, or check the link in the description to go do that. But go join us over there. Uh, 1.07K subs, Pete. So we're climbing bit by bit on the channel and even getting some super chats in. So perhaps one day we'll actually uh, make some money off the show to share. Wait, you got some super chats on Friday? Did you have to show some skin for it? No, they were asking me what my price point was for showing nip, but I know I was like, like I'm full dad bod mode. Like I had that brief diet period, got to where I needed to be. And now I'm just bulking back up again so I could lift my fattening child by the day. And I feel like I don't have the body. Like if, if it were you, Pete, if I were you personally, like I would just do every show shirtless because I guarantee those views <laughs> start to skyrocket. The sad thing is, is I don't even think you're kidding. I think you legitimately do. You do like launch your new show called like Best Ball by the Beach and you're just shirtless and drafting the entire time. Oh, hey, I just happen to be oiled up. You're ready to do a Best Ball Media 3. <laughs> like, and I guarantee you'll find a niche audience that you didn't even know existed. Yeah. Can you imagine? I mean, finding uh, people that want to look at me shirtless who are also interested in structural draft strategies, that, that Venn diagram I don't think exists. Well, either way, we'll see if it ever happens on this show again. Probably not, but uh, maybe if you subscribe, it will. Either way, Pete, we got some injury news, and I thought this one was interesting. Came out right before the show. Gio Bernard. Oh, that's just mean, Eric. Five dollars for me to keep the shirt on. I, I guess it depends where that five dollars is going. Is that on the Splash Play channel or is that on the Pete channel? It's hard to know. We'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dag nab. Well, I'm taking my shirt. No, I'm kidding. Injuries. Gio Bernard injured Pete and Patrick Laird, your friend. Praise the Laird. He's in camp with the Bucks. Seemingly a shot to make the roster. Did you know this one before it broke on Twitter this afternoon? No, I, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I did not know about this, but there was the only thing why I wasn't surprised is because he had done a tryout for them in the spring. So I knew he was kind of connected with them there. Um, and this was before the NFL draft even. 
Uh, so the connections were there. We got a photo. Uh, I'll try to pull this up right now if I can figure. Why isn't this showing up? I'll pull it up here. But yeah, Laird at Bucks practice. Laird being teammates with Tom Brady is uh, it's pretty badass. Let's be honest. Well, maybe that's why Tom Brady hasn't shown up yet as he heard they were signing him and they're like, I can't play with this guy. I simply refuse. And that's why Tom Brady wanted his personal absences. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I think Laird and Brady, I just can picture it right now. Just the three of us going out, getting brunch, avocado toast. Uh, here's Laird stretching uh, at Bucks camp. Gio Bernard, you know, out with an injury. Rashad White, I mean... Sure, he's one of my most drafted players on Best Valvadia, but that's starting to look like a mistake, Spags. It seems like you got to get to that brick authorized 8% for Patrick Laird just to do the brand right and also give yourself a little bit of a hedge against all the money that we both invested in Rashad White. That's right. I mean, it would be so, it would be absolutely incredible content if the reason Rashad White didn't hit was because of Patrick Laird. Like, that's the one bad beat I can absolutely stomach. Pete, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm sure that might have occurred to you. What if Patrick Laird's the guy you need week 17? What if Patrick Laird is the guy you need? We've seen it before. We have seen it before. We have Eli Mitchell out for the preseason with a hamstring injury. Jeff Wilson didn't play the Niners first preseason game. So Trey Sermon started ahead of the much ballyhooed rookie Tyrion Davis Price. Are uh, you worried about Eli Mitchell, Pete, a guy with a lot of injury history that actually there were some reports about the Niners just having general concerns for his fragility. Now he's out for all the preseason. And it also seems like might be the back who benefits the most is the one that we have not been drafting at all this year. Yeah, I am legally obligated to post all super chats. Lunchable connoisseur looking to get a little more skin here on this Monday. Um, I'll consider it for $4.99, but I absolutely will not do it. Um, what were you asking? This Eli Mitchell being Eli, injured yeah. again. Yeah, depth chart. I, th I think it it does, right? Because the whole point about Eli Mitchell and all of these San Francisco running backs, and it's not to take away from Mitchell and what he did last year. He he was good in that role, but they are mostly interchangeable, and we've seen this play out. They can basically put any running back in there. It was actually interesting. I was just listening to Brandon Thorne, who's an offensive line specialist on the ETR podcast, and he was saying they were kind of have a sneaky bad offensive line, which gives me a little bit of pause. They have one of the best offensive linemen in Trent Williams, but he said beyond that, they're actually pretty weak, which is kind of notable considering we've always talked about the 49ers having this great offensive line. But to your point, like the reason we're taking Tyrion Davis price and taking stabs on Jeff Wilson, and even are willing to kick the tires on Trey Sermon is we know whoever's going to get more than 10 plus carries in this offense is going to be relevant. And the one thing we're hanging our hat on with Eli Mitchell is he's first on the depth chart. He proved it last year. That's fine. But I just want pieces of this running back room and if he's banged up I, I mean i think we should probably up our exposure to some of these other guys yeah, part of the reason you might be willing to pay Eli Mitchell's ADP price tag would be that you think that he could get some bell cow work apparently in camp. He was getting that work, but now it honestly kind of feels to me, Pete, and this might ring. I forget this guy was on your team or not, but it feels a little bit like Rashad Penny last year where Trey Sermon goes completely undrafted. Everybody's like, oh, this guy sucks now. He's still young enough to break out. And if Trey Sermon somehow breaks this year, there's gonna be so many guys who wanted him to be great last year would be completely disappointed. Yeah, no, I I can see that there is. I mean, he was so bad last year and he was in the doghouse so much, but I mean, he's still probably, I mean, just if you go back to their prospect profiles, he's probably the most interesting guy there. And, and the other thing too, is like, we've seen Kyle Shanahan put these guys in the doghouse and just not let them out. I mean, we talk about Brandon Ayuk, like was benched in week one last year. And now it sounds like he's the best player in 49ers camp. So it's hard to untangle like how much of a bust is Trey Sermon and how much of it was he just fell out of the good graces 
of Shanahan and the coaching staff and never got a shot. And I'm not willing to write off anyone. I will say I've noticed on underdog, you know, Trey Sermon was going undrafted in most drafts. And after a few of these comments, he's now, I think his ADP is up to like 205, 206, indicating he is being drafted in most of these drafts. So it's interesting that drafters have taken notice. And it, again, it just goes to show how sharp the field is, right? In previous years, a guy like Trey Sermon, it wouldn't matter. No one's given him a second shot after what happened, but people are willing to kind of buy in on this offense. Yeah, so definitely want to track over the next few weeks. Another thing to track, the MILF Hunter, our new favorite, Zach Wilson, entered his MCL out at least four weeks. Team supposedly starting Joe Flacco. I feel like this isn't a big one, Pete, because you got to expect that uh, Wilson will be back and hopefully healthy by the time we really are targeting when you're drafting him anyway, target him for that Week 17 upside. I feel like Zach Wilson is a kind of a bummer start for him, and, and also a lot of hopes for Elijah Moore this year, apparently is really running far and away from the pack. I feel like this maybe that upsets the Jack stack a little bit, maybe makes Joe Flacco playable for week one, but I don't feel like it's that major of a news item for us. Yeah, it didn't. It seems like he's still going to be on track to play week one. I don't know. Maybe he misses a game or two. Uh, yeah, I guess if you're doing season long leagues, like there's probably no reason to draft him uh, in those where you can kind of stream quarterbacks of his caliber. I'm still tacking him on to the end of Elijah Moore teams, Garrett Wilson teams. I think he's he's fine there and he's gotten a little cheaper on underdog. You know, he was like a 16th, 17th round guy. Now you can get him with your last round pick. So I'm not really uh, panicking on it um, unless we hear anything new after the surgery. And one last injury to hit on before we top it to some preseason buy or sell. Drake London out of practice this week after suffering a knee injury. Injury is not thought to be long-term, so probably not a panic there after people I saw freaking out on social media. I would not downgrade Drake London that much. It would be surprising if he's back by next week. But Pete, I have some preseason buy or sell, and as always is the case, we have to cover the guy who's on the thumbnail. Travis Etienne played 22 of 25 first-team snaps, and I will point out the underdog article that Hayden Wings did is one I relied on for some of this stuff, so go check it out. It's a great article on the underdog website uh, from Hayden, but uh, ATN and Pete playing a bunch of snaps also got nine carries for 23 yards with one catch for 10 yards on three targets. And that's not playing a full workload. Also worth pointing out, James Robinson didn't play this game and his recovery from an Achilles injury, but I feel like you must put ATN on the thumbnail for a reason. So what is, where are you shaking out with Travis ATN currently? Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, you know, hashtag adjusting the ranks. It was just good to see him in action. You know, we, after being a year of playing and the fact that he was playing all those first team snaps, the fact that he was playing all the third down snaps and all of the snaps inside the 10 yard line, I think bodes really well because that's the stuff we're really trying to figure out. I'm less concerned with specific depth chart ordering, you know, running with the ones it's more like, where are these guys getting used? Because you know, even if they're not atop the depth chart, where the team deploys them kind of tells us a lot about how they view them. So the fact that they're using him in passing situations and near the goal line when he is playing shows that kind of massive ceiling. And, you know, the dark side of that is what we're seeing transpire with Antonio Gibson, which is the opposite. He's getting no high value touches. He's losing pass catching work to JD McKissick. He's losing short area work to Brian Robinson and Jonathan Williams. And that's really concerning because the team just doesn't view him in those roles. They view him as a between the twenties guy. So with ETN, I think it's really encouraging to see them willing to use him in a bell cow role. Obviously James Robinson isn't just going to cease to exist, but I think with ETN's versatility, he has multiple outs to hitting, you know, maybe Robinson does steal some of that short area work, but if Travis ETN's catching six, seven balls a game, it won't matter. So I, I just like that. He gives us lots of outs right now. 
You're definitely, uh, I think, buying it on ETN I'm with and selling Antonio Gibson based on what Pete was talking about where uh, get, got Vulture on a goal line TD by Brian Robinson, which has been part of the reason why uh, we've thought Brian Robinson might be a valuable guy to draft. J.D. McKissick also getting some pass game downs uh, when Gibson was in, and then the fumble gets Gibson bumped down to the second team, so probably a guy to sell. I mean, Anthony in the chat asking if we drafting or no. We're going to draft in a second here. Just want to make sure we're covering all the preseason items that we had to get. Uh, CEH, Pete, starts the game for Kansas City, played the first seven snaps, and this might be one you might want to sell because it is a depth chart thing. Isaiah Pacheco comes in on the second of 10 play, enters the game before both Jarek McKinnon and Ronald Jones saw the field. Rojo, Pete, a guy we both were buying in on, and I, I don't even want to make the Pat Corrine joke because I'm sure this is probably the most crestfalling for him to have seen while getting dusted in flag football <laughs> at the Fantasy Expo. But I think, Pete, Bad news for Rojo here, and it feels like he might get cut. And this is one I'm kind of reading the tea leaves on and deeply terrified for our Rojo shares. Yeah, this one is starting to get real. I would say, you know, it was like, what, maybe two or three weeks ago, there was like some random Kansas City blogger that thought Ronald Jones might get cut, and it just seemed like he was firing from the hip. But mm -hmm. now when we look at what the team's doing in preseason, how things are shaking out in practice, it does seem like a, a, a more of a possibility. I still don't think he gets cut, but... I'm I'm on I'm on high alert here. I, I think there's definitely some smoke where the fire is here. It does seem like they like Pacheco for a lot of the things Rojo did well. I mean, my biggest takeaway still here is just how wide open I think things are past uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. It, it just really feels like any of these backs behind him. I mean, if you think about it, like uh the Chiefs willing to bet against Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. We saw them do it with Jarek McKinnon in the playoffs. He looked great in that role in this offense. Then they bring Rojo in in free agency telling us, hey, maybe we want more of an explosive runner. And then they draft Isaiah Pacheco, who's having a great camp and seems to be doing a lot of things they want. So it's like the team has shown us they are willing to have insurance policies to CEH. I still want to be taking stabs on all of them. I feel like I've packed my McKinnon bags. I drafted a ton of him early, definitely been drafting a ton of Rojo now. And now I'm trying to balance it out and grabbing a lot of Pacheco. I almost feel like I've gone through these different draft windows of betting against CH through other guys. And right now, Pacheco is still affordable to me in drafts. And uh, I want to keep taking stabs on all these non-CH guys. Yeah, we talk about it a lot, the rising tide lifting all boats. Whoever gets time at running back there, which was kind of the, the thesis of the play to quote one great Peter Overzet, I feel like that's sort of where you're buying in. And I don't mind getting Rojo where we did, but I agree with you. I've packed my bags on Rojo. I might get a little more McKinnon as we go to leverage against Pacheco, but I think drafting CH Pacheco, probably the wisest moves. Uh, Damian Pierce, Pete rushes five times for 49 yards with highlight reel runs. Wasn't with the starters, but does seem like he's shaping up to be that guy. His ADP's probably come up the most of everybody over the weekend. Are you buying Damian Pierce? Are you selling him with the ADP on the rise? I'm having a hard time now that he's in that James Cook and Kenneth Walker territory where it's like, okay, you could say Seahawks and Texans equally poor offenses, but Kenneth Walker, a much more exciting prospect. James Cook, you know, probably doesn't have the path to a bell cow role that Damian Pierce does, but it's going to be in just an infinitely more explosive offense. So now that he's up into that territory, I'm not quite as enthused. I think he's fine in that Rashad White, Isaiah Spiller range. I feel like that seems like a good price to him, but he does strike me as a running back that's probably going to get steamed up too high. I wouldn't be surprised to see him within the top 100 picks here soon. People get very excited about these backs that they can project to be the starting back, regardless of how competent the offense is. I am a little worried about this offense on the whole. 
I don't think Marlon Mack is going away. Both Marlon Mack and Dara and Gumbawale actually ran with the ones. And if Damian Pierce is losing some short yardage work to Mack and he's losing pass catching work to Dare, I mean, that's going to be a disaster situation in an offense that doesn't have a lot of red zone trips. So I think you should still proceed with caution. But in general, like what have we been doing all year? I mean, we want to make bets on these rookies who can massively outperform their draft costs. I just worry a little bit about with Rashad White and Spiller, like if there's an injury, the contingent upside is just so obvious in those offenses. Those guys could be top 10 backs if Eckler or Leonard Fournette were to go down. I don't know what the path is for Damian Pierce to be a top 10 back. I don't know if it exists. So that's why I want to be a little bit more cautious with his escalating price tag. Yeah, that's fair. And to me, it's something that we're not drafting Damian Pierce at all. Some other guys were shot by to mention in that range. I think he's probably a rookie running back. People are most down on this guy, like a Kyle Williams because he's still uh, for the Rams. But Pierce now is going to get seen up. And if you go to the 160s and they're paying under ADP, I think it's tough at best ball mania. So I'll probably take some here and there, but I'm with you, I think. Uh, wiser have gotten earlier, as we talked about. A lot of these guys. And the last item, Pete, I want to hit on before we hop into draft. We have to decide whose account we're going to do it on. Uh, so I have a, a hypothetical. Which QB would you buy? Which one would you sell, Pete? QB1 was 11 for 15 with 102 yards and two touchdowns. QB2 was 10 for 15 with 101 yards with no passing touchdowns and no picks, but did have a rushing TD on nine yards rushing. Pete, QB1, would you buy or would you buy QB2? Uh, I don't know if you're checking the chat. That in last entire monologue you just did, you were glitching like crazy. Ah. None of us, none of us could hear you. So just reset this this quarterback. I I, I started to hear the prompt, but you were coming out of glitch mode. I think you're fine now. Yeah, I saw the Wi-Fi thing was down to one. And was like, uh oh. <laughs> but I presumed it would be okay. QB one, Pete was 11 yes. for 15 with 102 yards, two touchdowns. QB two, 10 for 15 with 101 yards, no touchdowns, no picks, but did have a rushing TD on nine yards rushing. Which QB do you start between QB one and QB two? Well, this is clearly a trap. You're trying to get me to say QB one because the stats are better, uh, but clearly it means I should pick QB two, who didn't have a passing touchdown. I mean, it's QB1, Pete, may shock it here is Drew Locke. QB2 is Geno Smith. I you knew hear it. I saw through your bullshit. This is, you're too, too sin a lie. Well, is that the segment we would do on way back in the day? It's been so That's, long. That is, yeah. I'm sure we could bring it back. Honestly, it's probably like more prep work. <laughs> it was if you worth. wrote that more cleverly, you probably could have gotten me to say Drew Locke, but you even botched that. I, a blind item, and I still sidestepped that bag of potatoes. My internet apparently didn't want to play along with the game either, so that's the downer. But QB1 Drew Locke looked great besides uh, throwing the game away down the home stretch. Uh, actually, the last drive, PD had a chance to win the game, and it went poorly. Uh, you're starting to glitch again. What's up with your internet today? I don't know. It's, I, I mentioned I had some... Uh, oh, fuck. Some, some flooding issues. I don't know why. Let me just... Let me disconnect and reconnect real fast. Close all those screenshot tabs of me with my shirt off. That should help. Back? <laughs> Not really. God, this has never happened in the show. My internet's the one thing I've going for me is reliability on that front. The one thing I'm used to is podcasting with people dealing with uh, internet difficulties. Exactly. Michael says Spags has Karain's internet. You know what I did do? I upgraded to Windows 11, and that might be the issue. <laughs> oh, we're going to throw Windows 11 under the bus. <laughs> it's the only thing that's changed in here besides the flooding, which is not Wi-Fi connected. Pete, I think you should do the draft then just to be safe because I don't want to leave the, the room in, in a tizzy. All right. All right, that's fine. I probably should be getting knocking out more drafts on my computer here. Dylan wants to know why I'm not topless because no one has sent a $499 super <laughs> chat. That's why. Um, all right. 
let's hop in. I, I had a brutal draft this morning with all the badge bros. So if you guys could just all not hop in this draft, I would appreciate it. Um, does not appear to the kit to be the case. That's the rude on their part. Are re resent yeah. relentless. Hmm. All right. Check I think that was in, for a nipple Texas. It was two ninety nine. The price for full shirtless is now four ninety nine. All right, we are drafting on underdog. Use the promo code Splash if I'm not glitching out too much. It's so I felt so good about my setup too. I mentioned to Pete before the show I had to move some things around because I had to pull the rug up, and uh, I thought it was like presenting well. Like I felt like I looked taller on camera, and now I'm I apparently just ruined it all. Ruined the feng shui. I think you're back now, but I'm tilting one badge, two badge, three badge, four badge, five badge. I mean, this is Patrick Barnes YouTube. That's good marketing. Patrick, I'm going to tell you, I, I once named my FanDuel username the FF Comedy Hour underscore Pete, which was the name of my first podcast. I had the same genius idea. I was like, you know what? I'll use this as marketing on this site in case I ever win a tournament. Next thing you know, you're contacting FanDuel support and begging them to change your name. So, uh, but shout out to Patrick Barnes YouTube. Check him out at PatrickBarnesYouTube.com. Uh, have you heard of Patrick Barnes YouTube? No, just... <laughs> no. I'm just, he got me. Hook, light, and sinker with this advertisement and his username. Well, uh, I, are you uh, surprised having have a non-influential 107 here? I feel like down the home stretch, you're probably due for some bad luck on that front. Oh, I'm bound for regression. I mean, regression is going to hit me hard. I had the 112 uh, this morning. Optically, I'm very happy for the regression, but deep down, I wish Underdog would just keep shoveling me 101s. This, yeah, the seven spot is tough because we're probably in Austin Eckler, Derrick Henry range, depending on how this room drafts. And it seems unlikely, uh, unlike on DraftKings, Pete, I don't know if you were paying attention to Mitts being at weddings. I was getting the softest DraftKings lobbies possible on Saturday and Sunday morning where like people taking Kyle Rudolph in the third round, people letting Chase and, and Jefferson fall was absolute insanity. Uh, Chris Ernest checking out <laughs> Patrick's channel. Uh, hope. I mean, I guess it makes sense. Underdog, dog stuff. Um, yeah, it sounds like uh, you are one of the characters from the Best Ball channel right now saying, uh, dude, you got to draft over there. It's so soft. Um, Spags, I am, though. I, I refuse to get buried by a ch an avalanche. Chips, Skylark, do something crazy. Don't take Chase. I dare you. Oh, um, yeah, we're not getting buried by an avalanche today. I refuse to let it happen. I agree. Um, yeah, Patrick Barnes what? is one of the head. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. I mean, he's got that's, not a, that's, a, that's not a low, low bar to clear. I mean, Does he's he got more 430,000 subs. This guy has 430,000 subs. <laughs> wait, hold on. I asked, I don't know if you want to pull up the headlines or should I just read them out loud? But he's got some YouTube shorts. Uh, the first short I'm seeing the dogs hate ice cubes crying emoji hashtag shorts. Second one, ouch crying emoji shorts. So he's a, actually an engagement farmer, not just a fake one for content. What is going on? This guy just crushes on the shorts. I mean, this is incredible. Look at these videos 19K views update on Quincy's health. I've been doing BBM three drafts. I could have just been updating people on the dog. I don't have health. So apparently his dog is the famous one. Quincy seems to be driving a lot of the views. Quincy is the shirtless best ball streamer of this channel. I would say <laughs> Yeah, Quincy, but well, gotta get Quincy on the channel to do some picks. <laughs> Goodness. Uh, apparently Quincy hated swimming exclamation point. It's almost like I should have picked anything other than best ball to build a YouTube channel around. 
dog confused by virtual reality and he's got like the monocle face over the dog <laughs> yeah this is this is still the most epic youtube account name i can imagine i mean peter over's pet <laughs> i mean goodness that's how you know you've made it though pete when people are doing fake names fake usernames with your account attached our guy ross is in the chat um on his twitter bio actually shouts out splash play so i feel like that's how we know we're getting there bit by bit and a fake dog i mean pete's if Pete over his pet can get views like quincy we're gonna be crushing <laughs> yeah uh eric uh pete with a shirt today no tank you know what i'm like it's not just that I'm trying to get the guns out for, for views. I do it based on the weather. We we had a legit heat wave here in Boston for about two weeks. Today felt a little bit more like fall, a little low 70s this morning. And uh, yeah, we were able to go with the t-shirt, all right? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Make your pick. I, I can't keep looking at Patrick Barnes's YouTube. <laughs> um, You want to do... You want to do? Uh, should I just take a Mike Evans share? I never take Mike Evans. Mike Evans, Tyreek, whatever. Let's do Mike Evans. One the one the one reason, even though I still think he's overvalued here, is I've been trying to get a little bit more Brady lately. Um, and so I don't mind setting up some some potential Brady stacks. Pete, can I do a quick screen share bit? I know, and keep an eye on the draft window, but I think we can. I think it's worth it. <laughs> yeah, do it. Okay. All right. Hold on. Let me share my screen of Patrick Barnes's YouTube. Um, just to show, you know, like it's hard diversity of content's a serious thing. Certainly. Um, you can see here, some headlines taking my dog hiking in Yellowstone. We're going on a road trip. Quincy prominently featured Quincy's not feeling well. That's sad. Dog reacts to chickens for the first time. Thoughts dogs were having during quarantine. Pete, you know, quarantine content pretty well. Dog reacts to the obstacle challenge. <laughs> quarantine workout with dog and one outlier in the middle. <laughs> That's like, I'm, I, I'm I'm ditching you, Spags. I'm replacing you with a dog, and I'm gonna record comedic shorts with my dog. I've, I've uh, this is, I've plateaued at 10k subscribers for far too long. Whatever I'm doing is not working. Oh man! Oh, Quincy has a puppy. All right. Anyway, they're <laughs> just the one in the middle. A lot of great dog videos, and then the occasional cripplingly depressing one is what's going on on Patrick Barnes's YouTube. Well, now we're the ones who are cripplingly depressed. <laughs> I just, I Pete, you know, I, I'm a fan of the dark humor. Try to keep it light here on this show, but boy, sometimes, sometimes it really gets me. Yes, Dylan, my wife, I did uh, alert her to some things that happened on the internet last Thursday and she supports me. If people are willing to give me money, um, she likes that when people give me money. So yeah, she's, she's on board with this. So here's a good chat from Greg R. Should I be doing this like on Friday? Should I just yeah. like make Penny sit here with me and then we like yeah. draft a team? <laughs> we, we, I mean, Spags, that's what we're always trying to do. We're trying to find hooks, right? Like sometimes we drafted after a wheel, you know, sometimes we got drunk and draft. We're always kind of trying to come up with fresh new ways to draft. I think you do one where you have Luca, where you just like hover him over the keyboard and let him like bang his hands and see who gets selected. I think you have the dog come where you talk to him and maybe he, when he barks, then you make the pick. I mean, this is the kind of stuff we got to do. I mean, like if that's what the people want, I feel like they just want your titties and that's the tough part really. <laughs> How do we balance those two desires? The thing is, is no one actually, actually wants that. It's just, it's not our demographic. <laughs> I think it is though. They're, they're, <laughs> they're best ball curious. Is what they are. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway. <laughs> I hate Great this team. draft. Yeah. Um, 
I'm not taking Patrick Laird's backup. I'll tell you that much. I'm fine to take Nick Chubb uh, or I guess Keenan. You wouldn't reach for Sutton. I feel like I'm I'm the most bigger, but most big believer in Sutton out of all the, the Broncos. Sure, we can do Sutton, whatever. Well, I mean, you can see all the guys. My exposure here, Sutton is my my yeah. second most in this range. After uh, it's fine. Worth pointing out some of the nice improvements on the Brick Caddy, which you can see on the screen with uh, Pete's account right now, where you can now do a quick auto upload of your exposures, which I find pretty convenient compared to the Excel approach. So, uh, I, I like what Brick's doing with the HUD. Eagles. No, you're supposed to be moving in our direction. I saw on Twitter you said you did a zero RB draft with some of the Rotoviz guys in Canton at the FF Expo, but it seems like you've relapsed. You're begging me to draft Nick Chubb. I thought we converted you to the church of zero B of Jesus Latter-day Saints. Um, <laughs> did you get no, any uh, this- FOMO for the Fantasy Football Expo? Uh, yeah. Sure. No, it looked it looked it looked looked like a good time. I did. You know what? I got FOMO over the the flag football game looked fun. I would have loved to have been out on the pitch there. Um, I think that would have been a very good time. That is exactly the part I was thinking of where I saw the NBC Sports Edge photo. Crane looking great alongside our pal Roto Pats and the other guys over there. And I that was one where I was like, oh man, it would have been fun to do this part and like and drink and play cornhole and whatever. But like I, I just I'm not I'm not a networker, Pete. As you know, I just I try to act, you know, like I'm above the fray. And that's how that's why my brand has been established. Yeah, you try to network through me. It's going great. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Some could call it coattail riding. Some could call it networking. I think you chose a more positive verb. <laughs> you, you call it networking by osmosis. <laughs> I think it did seem fun, though. And uh, you know, kudos everybody went out there and had a good time. Hope you guys, if you did go, had had a blast for yourselves. <laughs> yeah, it, it it did look it did look good. Uh, it, see, I was kind of amazed at the the breadth of events that they had going on there, from drafts, breakout room panels. Uh, football games, after parties. Like it's a, for, I think it's only in its second or third year now. Uh, It seems like a pretty impressive uh, showing there. Yeah. So definitely a lot of fun for the people out there. If you want to look it up, FF Expo and maybe attend it next year, help support it. Hang on. Independent business. I dare I say Patrick Barnes YouTube has that dog in him. He's about to get buried by this avalanche. Oh, what's, oh, okay. He's four straight. Four straight. It's like some other, uh, content creators that we know on youtube who get baffling amounts of views so maybe that's his pathway maybe it is there's lots of room in the robust rb streets (laughs) oh boy nothing really does it for me here i mean i say we bite the bullet on connor at this price he's getting a lot of discounts and i don't really get why like he's fell to me on a couple drafts on underdog and DraftKings, and like was there a bad news item i missed like i I haven't seen anything negative. yeah it's because all the eno slappies won't shut up about Eno Benjamin. Don't know who that would be. I feel like the main reports I saw were that like James Conner was getting the most work and getting more pass game work. And like Eno's had, you know, definitely passed Darrell Williams, I think, in every every reporting that's out there. I feel like Connor, that to me just makes Connor feel a little more secure. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing with these guys is they're all like a round or two overvalued, but because we're basically doing an extrapolation on their point total and how James Conner finished last season, they end up in a higher range. So my thought with these guys, as you saw, I had like 2% James Conner. He's not a target for me. So if I am going to get my exposure, do I want to have 0% James Conner? No. So when are the times I'm going to get him? 
when he's fl- when he slides around past ADP. When are the times that happens? Well, when I do a piss boy draft. I'm not that's not happening in my regular draft room. So if I'm gonna get my James Conner exposure, I might as well do it now. Yeah, and then I mean I like it went too when it aligns with Pitts or or Drake London as well for the week 17 correlation. But I've definitely have not got a lot of Connor because he's in the zone that I'm not usually drafting guys. If he's falling to the fourth, I feel like that's that's a pretty appealing build. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, these guys, they're they're higher risk. It, the, the running back dead zone does not mean that running backs don't hit in this range. It just means that historically they're less likely to. The probabilities aren't as great. But I think you got to pick your spots and and be wise with these with these spots. And you know, I think this uh getting James Conner at 42, a little modified anchor RB will play it as if he's uh, you know, top seven, eight RB the way we draft the rest of this team, and uh we'll be good. Yeah, no, I think that's a I, I like the two guy, the two hole guy, um, in his build with Justin Jefferson, Mark Andrews, DJ Moore, Bateman. I feel like he's I mean he's gonna be bummed if I guess with Lamar not coming back, but still that's a nice little double stack. Yeah, the, also interesting, Kyle Pitts uh going at pick 17. Uh that's probably oh, wow. the highest I've ever seen Kyle Pitts go. Uh, see, and I, I know Pius Pius is a, a sharp dude. I've I've seen him in drafts and in the comments. I don't love that because I like it when you're doing it more for, you know, say you grab Travis Kelsey and AJ Brown and those guys where you're never getting AJ Brown in the third. The fact that you can routinely get Kyle Pitts at pick 32, I guess I just don't. I don't really get it unless you're trying to say, I want to get two third round picks with my second round selection, right? Where I guess maybe there's not a lot of teams that have Kyle Pitts and Marquise Brown. He's obviously setting up that week 17 correlation, but because Marquise Brown is sliding in drafts, like all three guys that he just took, you can get the round after you can get Kyle Pitts in round three. You can get Marquise Brown around four and you can get Kyler Murray in round five. So I guess I just don't get it from that specific spot. I don't really see the uniqueness benefits. It just feels like you gave up around selection. Yeah, I think that's actually a really smart way to look at it because that was something I struggled with a little bit. And now sometimes, you know, like I'll get the guys I want if it makes sense that I've got the lion's share. Like if I have, like if I have Jamar Chase, like on the best ball breakfast I did with Pete, uh, make your pick. Um, Brees? No, we don't yeah, want another Brees, I mean, clearly I, I draft a shit ton of Brees. I mean, if you want to talk me into Metcalf, I'm, I'm fine with that, but I'd probably go Brees. I mean, DK Metcalf, we heard QB1 and QB2 stats, and I think either way, DK Metcalf wins. Let's uh, let's do Metcalf, make sure we don't get buried by this avalanche. Okay, I support that. Um, yeah. yeah, like I think reaching for a guy where you have the Bengals stack and it's like, okay, this is much less valuable if I don't get Joe Burrow. Like, obviously, I reached to a comical level on Pete's best ball breakfast stream last week, but still one that's like, I think it made sense for me and I still got unique enough elsewhere and got valued other places. But if you're doing it for multiple picks, like I think you had a, a point at one point about, you know, talking about if you take one guy early, take one guy late, like it sort of comes out in the wash. You got to do that a little bit and get some of those nice values to balance it out. Yeah. Pius says, I don't think I would get those guys in this trap probably, but I, there's a million drafts that you could do where you can get that combo of guys you want in the fourth, third, fourth, and fifth. So I guess this just wouldn't have been the specific draft that I would, have been trying to to set that up with i don't think it's like you're hemorrhaging value i just i don't know if that's the way i want to be unique in drafts and also you know the two running backs like definitely not getting enough elite wide receiver talent there where if you had tried to wait maybe you get one more of a a higgins tyreek aj brown tier in which would probably be nice for that build um yeah yeah neil referencing my barkley higgins the i Buddy, I wanted to be unique. That was just an avalanche draft. I mean, that was one of the most insane wide receiver heavy drafts. That was getting ahead of that. And I I like 
Tyreek Higgins ahead of Tyreek Higgins, uh, T Higgins ahead of Tyreek Hill and Mike Evans anyway. So yeah, that was a, it would have just been a bonus if that was unique, but that was not the thesis of a wide receiver pick in a wide receiver heavy room. Cubert rules asking a question, Pete, that I think a lot of people ask. Do you really have zero David Montgomery? He's my most undervalued player. Oh, well, guess we have different mindsets. Somebody pointed out and apparently went through a bunch of our videos and I forget who it was. I think it's MTN is some, some part of the username. He went through and saw that you had drafted David Montgomery at least once on our shared account or our shared draft shows. Yeah. Um, so that's where you got in your exposures, but people are now questioning your David Montgomery zeros. Yeah, this is a, this is a true zero in best ball mania. Let's see here. Uh, this is a pretty flat tier at wide receiver. None of the elite quarterbacks are available. I'm, I mean, I'm happy with acres here. 20 picks past ADP. God, I fucking get cam acres on all the Friday streams, but it is a nice discount. So I, yeah. I get it. Yeah. Um, it's so funny. You guys, uh, people get so triggered that I don't like David Montgomery. Uh, I guess it is interesting just because I do have pretty smoothed out exposures and there's very few guys that I have a uh, little of, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy to, to die on, on David Montgomery. Oh, there David goes. It's MTM revolt in the chat. I gotta give him the credit. Cause he was going through, I think found an episode a couple of weeks ago yeah. where we drafted Montgomery together. And, and that's fair. I think if I have to be your cover for David Montgomery, I've, you provided me so much. Yeah. Heat, I'll give you the shares of David Montgomery. Yeah. Exactly. Ugh, I hate Cam Akers, though. I feel like he's such a bad pick just because of the the likelihood of a timeshare with Henderson. I, I just hate it. And also Kyron Williams, like beating him down for the week 17 stuff. No, the see my take on. Yeah, the Akers stuff. But the thing that's encouraging to me, right, is the the Rams clearly like Cam Akers. He came back from injury last year and they really wanted to reinstall him as the bell cow. They weren't quite able to pull that off because he didn't seem like he was 100% last year in the playoffs, which makes sense coming back from the injury that he did. But now with another year or another off season under his belt, I do still really think like the team has also had multiple. I like Darrell Henderson, but the team has had multiple chances to give him like a full bell, bell cow role. And even last year, they were giving Shoney Michelle a lot of work in a way where they didn't seem to fully trust Henderson in that role. So I still think if Akers is fully healthy, that like a bell cow role is within the range of outcomes, even if it's not the most likely thing. But again, if we're talking about it at a sixth round cost, uh, I'm, I'm more interested in it in it there for sure. Okay. I think it's reasonable. And uh, I think, you know, the injuries for Henderson last year, it could have also compounded those factors, but I get it. Uh, shout out Mike in the chat as well, saying Spags and Peter are a great combo, peanut butter and jelly and saying it in caps locks, Pete. So, you know, he means it. Um, and also Eagles asking, are you t uh, taking Khalil Herbert later on in drafts? I have to say I'm currently three X the field on Khalil Herbert and best ball mania. So I am heavy. Three X. You're at, um, you're yeah. at 24%. Yes. I have $700 wow. spent on Khalil Herbert and best ball mania so far. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I mean, I am on him almost ten percent here, so slightly, slightly over on the field. But yeah, I like Khalil Herbert a lot. Yeah, I feel like from the two guys who've gained the most in value in my portfolio, Khalil Herbert, I have twenty five percent off. Naheem Hines, I have twenty five percent off, and Tyler Algier, uh, the, the seventh string running back in Atlanta, twenty seven point seven percent currently in Best Ball Mania. Um, it's gonna be hilarious when uh, we take Russell Wilson over David Montgomery here, right? <laughs> I think it's a good move to take Russell Wilson. Yeah, me too. I just yeah. want to trigger the Devon slappies. <laughs> I mean, he is a special teams player. I think we all know that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, where are all the David Montgomery guys uh, talking about his snap, his uh, special teams role? It's, yeah, people are sleeping on it too much. They're not so, everybody's too busy talking about Isaiah Coulter, his breakout games, Equinemia St. Brown, his rejuvenation in the Bears. They don't have time to talk about David Montgomery being the elite punt returner that he is.
<laughs> yeah. I mean, Lundar says Herbert and Gainwell feel like the same guy to me. The only thing I will say is we have seen the Bears' willingness to give like a full complement of carries to the lead back there, including Herbert when he's filled in. Whereas it just seems that the Eagles always deploy a committee, no matter who is at the top of that depth chart. So even if Miles Sanders got hurt, I think we'd see a lot of Gainwell and Scott. Whereas if David Montgomery got hurt, I guess you, I guess the chat will say Ebner would work in and I'll admit Ebner has looked great as well. But I do think Khalil Herbert would get more touches in the event of a Montgomery injury than Gainwell would get in the event of a Miles Sanders injury. Yeah, Gainwell's not a pure rusher, whereas like Herbert's a rusher and a pass catcher. So like I think that's the key difference. Like Gainwell, you know, him getting running more routes this year wouldn't be surprising. Him getting a lot more rushes between the tackles, I think, would be. Whereas Herbert's just kind of like a better version of Montgomery, or at least like a flat version of Montgomery. And I think that makes for a better one B, you know, kind of back than than Gainwell would be, who's just gonna get most of his value from that pass game. Yeah, so let's see. We're at a one, two, four through eight rounds, about to be on the clock at pick 90. We have Russ Wilson, Connor and Akers, uh, past ADP, uh, woo, uh, Devontae Adams, Mike Evans, Sutton, and Metcalf here. Um, <laughs> Is it time for Montgomery if he falls sooner? <laughs> I'll take, I'll okay, Captain Morgan does take him. I was going to say we can take him at pick 90. That would have been a really nice chance to get our first Montgomery share. Montgomery finally goes where he should go, pick 88. <laughs> it's boy tough. This, this group of guys, Josh Jacobs, I feel like is the one guy who's falling in this draft, but like he didn't play in that second game with all the other starters, not playing for the Raiders. So it does kind of feel like Josh Jacobs is now officially the first back, even though he did have that weird start in the first uh, preseason game. I think we should take, this is a very flat tier here. I think we should take Tom Brady and get our two elite quarterbacks in the window here. Even with the rumors floating around of him being an addict or whatever. Was going on no, I mean, <laughs> The thesis behind drafting Tom Brady is you now can backdoor stack Patrick Laird as your RB6 with him. <laughs> You're going to be like, oh, no, we got scooped on Rashad White. Guess we got to go to Patrick Laird. Yeah. Do you know what would be a fun a fun bit? And everyone's referencing the fantasy flock in here. How fun would it be if we did draft streams where we changed audiences and I went and drafted a team to the fantasy flock audience and he came on here Draft. I want to watch him deal with a piss boys audience and I want to go draft with all the David Montgomery slappies over there. It's a much better trade-off for me. I mean, Lord knows getting me in front of uh, 1000 live viewers on a, on a stream, but wouldn't that be a really fun social experiment? Oh, it would be very fun. He'd be like, Oh, well, I guess everybody here is uh, taking wide receivers today. So we're just going to keep taking running backs. Eventually they're going to stop. But you know, at some point, uh, who can resist David Montgomery at the 50th pick? Why are, why are they sending me $200 to take off my blazer and get shirtless? I, I could. <laughs> yeah. I, I look different draft strategies for different folks. It's, I will say one of the most tilting things for me. And I, I'll say it right now is if that, if he somehow wins best ball mania and I like, just don't even fucking get one to the final round. I will be deeply upset in a way that it will be hard to quantify. <laughs> um, I think uh, I I'm honestly, there's a bet a lot of that conversation lately of like, who would be the most entertaining person to have win it. Um, honestly, I'm just rooting for someone with some uh, that will make a meal of it. Whether mm -hmm. you're someone just has a Twitter account. I do think I love seeing Liam go hard into the content space. I think anyone who's willing to, you know, basically embrace their role as the next great best ball ambassador. However, that may look, uh, I really want to see that. 
So I think, Pete, you know that I would come on this show wearing a crown and some sort of scepter. Like, I would really buy into the bit. Like, I agree Liam's doing it respectably. He's trying, he's doing shows with Osmo, like trying to kind of go with the, the data tier of guys. Like, I respect what Liam's doing. That said, I think the fun of it is being pure WWE heel, like as it was won, won the championship title for the first time. And in every stream is just gl- like glamorous in a way that no other streamer could possibly do on StreamYard. <laughs> yeah i mean i would i'd probably be done doing shows with you i don't know if i could do a summer of best ball streams with you as the prevailing best ball thought leader i think that would just be too much for me no but if i if i'm like oh and pete as pete once told me before i won the two million dollars <laughs> because <laughs> like i give you credit on every stream like he got me to start thinking about it more so like you are you would be the mr miyagi you just have to watch ralph machio just keep kicking guys heads off I, I don't want to live in this world. I really don't. Boom, boom. Do you know, hey, I'm Ralph Macchio over here, Wes. <laughs> um, all right. Let's see here. <laughs> insane room. I think we should take Garrett Wilson. Uh, you mean the Jets wide receiver four? Sure. Um, I actually don't mind taking. I, I, I should rephrase. I think we should take a wide receiver. And I'm, I'm. We could also just. I think we fine. Let's fuck it. Let's take Gage. Let's take okay. fucking Russell Gage. Yeah, I mean, look Get our at Tom it. Brady double stack. Yeah, neither of us have a lot of him, so I don't mind it. Any anytime you can draft a player you hate eight picks ahead of ADP, you got to do it. I mean, what what the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> this room is very strange. Like, I think at this point, I, at least one more round, you got to take got to take Gibson. Nobody wants to take Gibson. Like, all these guys now have fallen so much. Like Sanders, Gibson, Montgomery. Like, uh, Penny's got a quad issue, which we didn't talk about in the news section, but that's not great for him. It is like a, a room for if you want to play for week 17 and take the dip and hope these guys get back out there. Like, it is nice values going around. And I will say, all all seriousness, I do think there's a tier gap after Garrett Wilson goes here with Rondell Moore, Garrett Wilson, and then that's when I'm fully willing to kind of zig back and take some of these running back values. So that's kind of what I'm thinking here. Um, and that's what happens in these avalanche rooms is the running back is the value at every step of the way. And so then you're just trying to triangulate where is that pocket the most desirable. Um, this year, I had no desirable pockets. Here, I think uh, we're going to be fine now with any of these running backs. So I see a couple chats I'm just going to bring up real fast. Uh, got Michael Zimmerman saying, you're too focused on ADP. I think this is one of the biggest mistakes, Pete, that people coming in at this portion of the year. And you and I have been drafting all year long. You've been drafting for multiple years all year long, so you've seen it the most. But people come in and they think they're smarter than ADPs. And I feel like that's one of the biggest mistakes I see in some of these rooms. And, and why I like drafting on, like, boomer Saturday mornings on DraftKings. Because they are just fucking drafted guys who are like, I saw an ESPN segment and I'm taking them. And it's like, this is not the way you need to draft. Yeah, Michael, do you have your ranks that you get? I mean, if I shouldn't be working off the ADP, do you have some ranks I could draft off of uh, or your top 100 players to draft? If if someone does have the 10 commandments of drafting, I mean, please share it with me. I would love to draft off of that. That seems like it would be awesome okay. to have. He's doing a bit, but like honestly, <laughs> yeah. you know, at this time of year, we're going to get people who come in and say that very <laughs> earnestly. And I think that's one of those one of those things that you got to be mindful of. If you're new to this stuff, like the market data is the most powerful thing you can use for yourself. Uh, Garrett Wilson does go there at pick 110. Uh, that was a nice pick. I, we probably should have just taken him instead of fucking Russell Gage, but had to get my Tom Brady double stack. Uh, we're going to take Antonio Gibson at pick 115. This is this is out of control. 
I just don't get how he could have fallen out of grace this much. Like the guy played on a broken shin last year, or multiple broken shins. Like to me, that's like the ultimate football guy thing where Ron Rivera should be like, oh, like I, he's one, he's a goer, he's a gamer and should be trotting him out there. And he, he's getting marginalized in a way I did not expect. Yeah, and this is the thing, like, I, I said this in the newsletter this morning, like, manage leagues for Gibson. I mean, you basically just have to scratch him off your list, but where we're still trying to just get a few big plays, and, you know, he now doesn't even have to be a starter for us. Um, does anyone think that Antonio Gibson doesn't have the physical ability to rip off a 50-yard TD run anymore? Um, I still think he has that ability, so yes, I will grab a share at pick 114. Also, one guy I'm curious if you're buying or selling right now because he's going to be getting steamed up a lot. And he's really the guy that I think in terms of the, the highlight reel plays has been bubbling the most from what I'm seeing and trying to track media-wise over the weekend. But Pickens puts up three catches for 43 yards of like a really nice touchdown. I think we've extolled the virtues of Pickens a lot, though. Honestly, I feel like we've fallen in love with various rookie receivers throughout the course of the offseason. But I feel like Pickens, Pete, like he's going to be good, but he's probably not going to be like that great every week. And I feel like you still have Claypool there, you still have Deontay Johnson there. And if he's going like 110 range, one like I don't want to be there at all, I don't think. Yeah, it's like the thing with all of this, and this is on all the ADP risers, and I think, you know, guys like Isaiah McKenzie is another good example of that. I mean, you really have to be honest with yourself. Where could they finish next year and how much meat is on the bone for those guys? And you do start to really worry about how they can crush their ADP at their new prices. Um, and the deal with Pickens, like, you have to basically hit a three outer or, or a three leg parlay where it's like, one, is he good? Well, it sounds like we're starting to get a, a decent amount of evidence that he is. Two, you need the passing game to have enough volume to support three, even four receivers if you want to tie us Fryermuth in there, which I think you should. And then, like, on top of it, for him to be, you know, this massive hit, which I still think is possible, but you probably need an injury to one of those three other guys as well. So, like, the path, and I'm talking about him being like, a top 20 wide receiver. He's getting drafted at like wide receiver 65 now. So I'm saying to like massively out that you need so many things to go right. Um, he's still the kind of bet I like to make. Hmm. I just think you need to be a little cautious when they get pushed up into this range where it's really, really hard for them to pay off their ADP in a big way. You're coming up the clock here, but I want to ask you a follow-up question because I'm actually I've got my 32 entries left to do, and I I want to take your perspective on some stuff. But we're coming up here. I feel like we need a tight end at some point. And is Cole Komet our guy? Yeah, I mean, I would say like one build thing I haven't done a lot of is a lot of three tight end punt builds. We do have the elite quarterback because we have these running backs. I mean, we can rock a five, um, uh, a five running back build easily here with this crew. Maybe even a four. So. I'm kind of inclined to just keep to grab another wide receiver here. I mean, Tolbert, another guy who's massively shot up, but I guess the point I'm making is I wouldn't be opposed to a punt tight end build here. Okay. I think that's reasonable. I mean, it's not like we have any correlations and um, it is worth pointing out. Uh, if somebody's touting Albert O in the chat, I mean, I think we've talked about Albert O positively, but him playing in that first preseason game and none of the other starters were playing, I think was uh, some of the reports out there were digging him a little bit. So I, you know, maybe more of a dull such situation moving forward. And I don't mind getting him as our punt tight end. Uh, but the question I have for you, Pete, so like we've been drafting since basically this tournament open, we've been drafting in some form basically since the Super Bowl. How does that fuck with your head? Because like, I think it's starting to get to me to the point where it's like, oh, I didn't get enough pickings and now I kind of want to take some pickings. Same thing with dubs. Like I'm above on dubs, but like pickings, I feel like I'm maybe 7% and I want more, but I don't want more at the price he's going at now. Do you just let those guys go and go like, all right, he's just not going to be one of my guys this year. 
I mean, I kind of know what you're saying. I do really think we haven't had quite the, we haven't had the Darrell Henderson goes from a 15th round pick to a fourth round pick move this year, where I do really think that the length of the tournament draft window becomes a factor in knowing there's just so many people who have the cheap version. I don't know if we have that dynamic yet. I really try to think of each draft as its unique thing. How do I draft the best possible team here? And because I don't, you know, there are some of those spots I think about, I guess to answer your question, it's like, I try to make sure that I'm getting discounts on those guys that have moved. But on the other hand, I'm still drafting KJ Hamler around pick 150. And I, I might even push for us to draft him here at this exact spot or maybe coming back if he's there because I still think he was that mispriced. And then we get more information with Patrick being out. So that kind of stuff I'm open to. I mean, Hamler's not going to make it back to us in this room. So this is probably too rich here. Um, what do you what are you seeing? I don't mind going Fryermuth here if we do want to start building out a, a three tight end build. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind reaching for Hamler because I agree with the potential there. I also don't mind Chark, but I think uh, one of the tight ends sounds fine as well. Yeah, let's. Uh, so my thing that I was going to say earlier about the commit thing, and I guess now we're kind of backtracking on that taking Fryermuth is I really feel from the like commit to Higby tier is like all the same to me. Um, hmm. more or less. I do feel like Fryermuth probably represents the most like breakout upside just as a second year tight end who flashed in year one. But more than Njoku, Njoku getting the big payday and he's shown something, but always had a second tight end there taking meaningful touches away. I mean, Njoku though, just from it's less likely that we see a tight end who like him who's been in the the league as long as he has breakout. Whereas hmm. normally some of these super talented dudes, even Cole Komet. You know, he was one of the youngest tight ends in the league when he played. I believe he played his rookie year as a as a 21-year-old, which is pretty unheard of for rookies. So I just, in general, these guys that are younger in breakout have a much higher trajectory and ceiling than the guys who have been in the league forever. Nicole Komet, 23, turned 23 on March 10th. So that, that seems about right. All right, I, I get it. Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting way to look at it. You know, as uh, somebody I think Consigliere was saying, I do prefer my elite tight ends if I can, especially with some of the Waller discounts going around out there. I don't mind that. But um, I think what you're saying, if if you are going to get the punt tight ends, getting some of these guys that actually have the upside. Like, I think if we got Komet and Freermuth there, I feel like you then take a Dulcich, and that feels like a pretty good three tight end build to me. Whereas, like, if we're taking, I don't know, uh, Higby, Higby Everett Hurst, like maybe that feels a little bit thinner. I don't know. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, and uh Bind4 had a cool article up looking at three super late tight end things too. And that is I do so few three tight end builds, um, just because I do not like allocating, you know, three roster spots to the lowest scoring position in my lineup that is also a onesie position it just does not seem like the best use of resources but if you are going to do it it's obviously in builds where you're not drafting tight ends until really late and so that idea of three punt tight ends i think the question is can you find guys that have the upside to actually score more than 10 points in a game i do think those rookies like mcbride and dolchich offer that i mean they're both in the offensive environments have the draft capital have the talent have the buzz I think to finish the season decently strong. The question too, with like those three tight end builds is like guys like McBride and Dolchich again, I feel pretty good about maybe one of those guys being able to hit down the stretch, but can you get enough production 
to even get those guys into the playoffs. Like we know rookies take a long time to develop in general, tight ends, especially, I mean, you might not be getting production from those guys in a meaningful way until week 10, 11, that third tight end is probably going to be able to need to get you there in the first place. So that's why I wouldn't mind doing like a Friar Muth with two super punt tight ends after that. I think that makes sense. And, you know, people in the chat also talk about the rookie tight ends. And even we saw it last year with Pitts, where like Pitts had probably the best profile of any tight end coming into the league within the last you know, five to 10 years. And he still was just like good. He wasn't fantastic in a way that really mattered for fantasy teams or would have put, you know, bubbled you over the top. So I, I think that makes sense. Um, where are we going? I, this, this has been a really weird draft. <laughs> I've, I've been kind of buying this Watson dip a little bit, trying to push it up. I got him at pick 160 in a draft earlier. I think, I still don't think, I like dubs. I don't think he should be going ahead of Watson. So we also were pretty veteran heavy early on this team. Didn't get as many rookies as I feel like we normally get. So I, I don't mind adding another rookie wide receiver here. I wouldn't have minded getting the fourth running back and taking Herbert and just kind of skimming whatever from wide receiver after that. Cause I yeah. do think Herbert, we passed him Montgomery multiple times. Like, so we basically made the bet against him multiple times that at this point, Her Herbert on top would have been a nice cherry. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I didn't mind Herbert there. Um, yeah. I don't think that would have been bad. I wish we'd gotten Hamler like Hamler at that pick would have felt nice. Yeah. I think we can still grab Dolchich though. And if yeah. we do want to do that three tight end build, I think Dolchich is a, is a nice guy to get that, that double stack with, uh, with Russ. Yeah, I, I am. Uh, I think Hamler people or it's uh, somebody saying in the chat the chats flying today. So we appreciate all you guys hanging out. Of course, if you're not subscribed to the peach channel, make sure you do that. Subscribe to the splash play channel as well, because they will be exclusive home of the show starting with week one of the NFL season. So please join us over there. And of course, hit the like button on both versions of the stream. If you can help us out a bunch. Uh, I feel like from my perspective, like Hamler really is the one who gained the most out of that entire receiving group, because there was a chance he wouldn't have seen the field at all. And now he's probably seeing, you know, 30 routes, at least a game. And with him being a guy who could pull the top off of the defense, like he might not need those 30 routes to be valuable in best ball. You're preaching to the choir. You don't have to yeah. sell me on KJ Hamler. I, I, mean, I love him. Down on it. Like we talked about it, but on draftings, he wasn't getting drafted in 20 rounds. And like, even on underdog, he would sometimes not get drafted in 18. And I just have not gotten that at all, especially in a half PPR site. Like, Hamler should be getting drafted. He probably should have been in this range, if not a little bit later, you know, the entire time. Yeah, no, I mean, again, you're, you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't mind that at all. Um, you know what? I, th this could be like Pacheco territory, honestly. Oh uh, yeah. With, with Denver. I think that makes sense. It's not, it's not Rojo time anymore. <laughs> no. The other thing with these builds, the one thing that is fun, um, is you got to imagine not like there's lots of teams that could have a Connor Akers Gibson pairing. Like we can almost play this as like a hyper fragile build if we wanted to. Like, I don't think that would be, I don't think it would be insane to stop at four running backs. I think we have the luxury to go five if we want, but I honestly don't mind it if we end up, cause we have what 15, 16, we have four more picks. Two of them are going to be tight ends. One of them is for sure going to be a wide receiver because we didn't get it quite as much wide receiver firepower as we maybe wanted to, or, you know, kind of, uh, getting lesser talents. I wouldn't even mind getting nine wide receivers in this build and rocking like a two, four, nine, three. I think that's reasonable. Cause the bet we're making on Connor is that he's the, probably the, you know, the guy we were playing most of the weeks. Um, and I like the Pacheco upside and he could also be getting some, you know, pass catches every single week. Wouldn't be shocking. Um, so yeah, I think that build makes sense. I'm comfortable quitting on running backs for now. What is this? 
I, it, oh. This is what happened in the chat. Mathology was referencing Alan Robinson's uh, significant other, now referencing Noah Fance. You guys can Google that at home. Avery Anderson, I will not be doing it. We're trying to get this channel back on the straight and narrow. <laughs> I'll be looking it up on my second monitor over here just to make sure. Now, my internet's <laughs> working okay. Um, oh, okay. Yep. Yep. <laughs> she, she's a... Uh... She's a, she's definitely a type that people enjoy on the internet. Just stop there. Just stop there. <laughs> what a way to spell Avery, though. I don't like it. Yeah. Oh, of course. He's so distracted. He's completely gone. He's completely gone now. Oh, she's bathing a dog on her Instagram stories. I like that. With no offense. <laughs> oh, cute dog. Is this true? Oh, <laughs> he's a tight end now. Did you know that? For you, he was yeah. playing tight end for the Eagles. I do remember his transition to tight end. JJ Arthega, white side. You got to really do the full uh, Castilian Spanish pronunciation for his name. Well, what yeah. a blockbuster trade right here on the show. What was the trade? Can you pull up the deets? I'm sure it was fucking nothing. <laughs> it's a, a 12th round pick that doesn't exist. Oh, for uh, DB Ugo Amadi. Uga Uga is what you were saying when you pulled up Noah Fan's girlfriend earlier, right? That's true. That's that's what Avery Anderson brings out is some Ugo Amadis from from my loins. I think we have to take Noah Fant now. One, we need tight end. Two, I love Noah Fant. Three, we're looking up his girlfriend. Uh, four, I don't know if I have any other reasons. See, he's one of those guys where I feel like if you were going to tell talk me into like the three, you know, late tight end build, Fant's one of those guys that we know has had the gigantic upside in the past. It's just you know, are you willing to buy in on the Seahawks? And as we all know, QB one was looking pretty good for the Seahawks. We already took DK Metcalf, so it, thank God we're done at quarterback so this, the conversation doesn't even have to come up. Uh, if we hadn't taken Brady and his personal issues, we could have Drew Locke who's happy at home. Natalie Newman's doing a great job keeping the homestead looking good. <laughs> keeping the homestead? Are you, is she posting photos of her of her decorated living room? So she, I actually looked it up because she like posted about it. They were waiting for this toaster for like an eternity. And it's this incredibly overpriced William Sonoma toaster. That's like, has the exact same version from the supplier company. So I was like, Oh God, she's one of those where she's like dating the millionaire QB and she's buying the most expensive version of anything possible. And it's like that toaster, I toasters, Pete, I don't think there's a lot of variability there. If you're getting any toaster, they're going to do the job for the most part. Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> Hey, God, I want to see this. Eric says, what are your thoughts on three QB all from the same bye week from the 106? Did this actually happen in this draft? One, it seems, seems possible. Chipsy? I've, I've gotten oh, caught with the Burrow wow. Lamar. Yeah. Wow. That, yeah. Is, that, is, that is bold. Um, I'm one of the, the most bye week agnostic people you can get. But if you're going to tack on a third quarterback in a two elite quarterback build, I do think you want to sidestep. The week Ted by. Yeah, when I take Burrow and Lamar, I immediately go, oh, fuck, that's right. They have the same bye week. And then I recognize I have to take another QB who doesn't have a week 10 bye week. So it's one of those other little wrinkles to keep in mind here where, yeah, for a onesie position, I think, yeah, Pete, you won't, you don't mind uh, the double dipping tight ends with bye weeks, but QBs, you always get one, right? Well, and the thing too, I don't even like taking a third quarterback with Lamar and Burrow. The whole point to take a third quarterback if you have two elite is because you're trying to sidestep the buys, in which case, Maybe sidestep the buys. Yeah, that's yeah. At that point, <laughs> it's probably worth looking. They put the buys pretty visible for for good reason. Um. All right, let's figure out our end game here. Three more picks. I, I honestly will say I don't even think we have to go three tight end with this build. That here I go again. I still think Dolchich would be a nice tag on with our Russell Wilson stuff here. 
Um, what do you see in here, running back or wide receiver? I mean, not. I feel like running back, we're done. I don't want any of those guys up top. Fuller, I know at this point might make some sense. Um, we did take Gibson, so we could take uh, Peoples Jones if you want to take a, a Cleveland ring back. Um, sure. I take so much Fuller. Let's live a little. Yeah, I mean, you're, you've been buying another thesis that Fuller is going to be there the second that Deshaun Watson is playing, right? Um, no, my here, my thesis is just keep drafting Fuller, close your eyes, pray, block out any noise that he might not sign and might just be done with football forever. That's kind of my thesis on Will Fuller. One guy I'm intrigued by on Cleveland who, you know, is in the preseason fodder, you know, cannon kind of level where uh, probably doesn't matter. But Jerome Ford, I saw in enough headlines for Cleveland where they were talking about if he's good, they're probably going to get rid of one of Dearness Johnson and Kareem Hunt. And he was really good in that first game that it makes me think. A, it makes me worry about Deirdre Johnson because I think Ford might be good enough that he usurps him. But one of those guys has to go, right? Like, it can't be them bringing two guys and a young guy they like in at running back in addition to Nick Chubb. That was one thing I was actually thinking about today. I took Deirdre Johnson in another slow draft, as I've been known to do recently, and thinking even if something doesn't happen at um, before the season starts, that it's still possible an in-season trade as well. You know, teams have injuries, you know, there might be, and just knowing that it seems like Cleveland's going to have a trigger finger here to, to move uh, a running back in some fashion. So yeah, I'm still in on that. I think this is an interesting question by Qbert here. What's more important value or uniqueness. I wrote about this in the fantasy life newsletter a week or so ago when I was talking about ways to get unique in, in best ball drafts. One of the great things about being a value hound is it leads to uniqueness. Like you think about the two ways you can get unique. If you're messing with combos early on in the draft, reaching ahead of ADP. Sure. But another way is by when guys falls. That's why it's so exciting when you get a guy 20 picks past ADP because you say, I'm going to have this guy in various combos that the majority of the field isn't going to have access to. So I actually don't think value and uniqueness are mutually exclusive. I'd say they're symbiotic and, mm -hmm. and value is a natural way to get, to get unique. Yeah, when you were reading that in the beginning, I'm like, I think it's the same thing. Like value creates a uniqueness and by drafting, yeah, like you could reach for guys, but that's going to be less, you know, less powerful for you and the lineups you're trying to build. So guys falling precipitously is going to add the most value generally. I don't mind taking TDP here at, at this price. Um, I also don't mind taking, I mean, the wide receiver stuff. Terrace Marshall for a Tampa Bay bring back. Why don't we know we're going to take Dolchich, right? Should we just mm -hmm. get Dolchich and then figure out the rest later? Yeah, that's fine. This is kind of an example too, of taking the three tight ends. Like, yes, we have Tom Brady, but to me, like the upside scenarios for Bray and Rudolph are so thin where it's like Dolchich could realistically win the t tight end one job there in Denver. And, and that is just a massive ceiling with his profile. Um, so I, if you're going to do that third tight end, I definitely want a pretty big swing there. Pete, I don't know if you heard, I was in a DraftKings draft where they took Kyle Rudolph in the third round. So I think there's some disagreement about what his upside truly is in 2022. Whose is this? A uh, Kyle Rudolph. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. I mean, again, I don't, I don't mind. I think he would have been fine. Like in a three tight end build where you punt and then like, you're just correlating, right? Say you, yeah. We, we were able to get our Evans engaged, so I didn't necessarily feel the need to force uh, a triple stack there with, with Brady and guys who just are going to be so touchdown dependent. You're getting no yards after the catch. You're getting no explosive plays. They're yeah, likely I might have gotten, splitting snaps. 
I think Dulcich would still be there for us in the 18. So I might've gone Terrace Marshall in that spot just to get a Carolina bring back. And I think Marshall's still another guy who's kind of a forgotten young player that could bubble up because of Baker Mayfield being willing to throw the ball deep more. Um, but we might be able to get him on the way back if, if you wanted to anyway. I don't know your stance on Terrace Marshall currently. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was just want to say this MT talking about getting duped in 18 rounds. We're not talking about worrying about having your entire lineup duped. We know that that's basically impossible. It's the same thing in DFS. I mean, the reason you don't eat chalk, it's not because you worry that someone's going to have the exact same lineup as you. It's that your paths to victory are so much lower when you have those combos and we are relying on on these top picks to be our league winners. We need these guys as top five at the position when we draft them there. So the combos there specifically in those early rounds and having uniqueness is really, really important. Yep, I would agree. Um, I don't, this is one of those spots where I didn't mind. I'd rather just go where I think there's the better like league winning potential. And I think TDP at pick 210 here as our fifth running back, getting us a little younger makes makes sense to me. I can live with that. I mean, I feel like, yeah, just buying in the hopes that he'll can usurp one of the guys that has a floor. Um, I would. You could also talk me to Trey Sermon. Are you Trey Sermon over TDP now? I feel like you should take Trey Sermon just because of the fact that like you got to get a little bit closer to the field. Oh, I normally nimble fingers are. uh, I did make the switch, but just not quite in time. So I do end up with TDP. All right, that's again. I feel like this is an inherently unique team just because of the value alone. But like. You know, not double stacking quite as heavily or not double stacking with the usual culprits is good, but still getting a double stack. Um, I don't know that this team is good, Pete, but I feel like it's not bad like it could have been. Um, Yeah, I mean, this is what happens in these stream drafts, right? Like you're never we we know how to structurally draft teams, right? Like we're it's probably pretty rare that we're going to have a bad structure. It's just you end up looking at players that you don't like, like these running backs, Connor, Akers, Gibson, some of my least favorite selections even the wide receiver selections evans i don't take a lot metcalf i don't take a lot gauge i never take tolbert at his new price i never take although he slipped here for some reason dpj i never take like this is just the structure's fine but the players are not my favorite players i think the way you approached that was how you know i would say if we're going to title the stream something it'd be like hey how to draft competently in a really difficult room and I, that's also not a great title i admit probably a little wordy but it's still like i think you did a good job navigating that because i was really lost at some points and i probably would have taken too many running backs and i'm just gotten kind of buried there so uh you really navigated that as thoroughly as i think one possibly could have Well, the other thing I think about, and I brought this up to you when you were in your hardcore zero RB mode, is that, not that that's bad, but you often get funneled to the same pockets of players. And so sometimes getting pushed outside your structural comfort zone and getting forced into another structure that's still logical, but is going to naturally put you on different players and different player combinations, I think is a really good thing. And that's why, like, in my head, I had been saying to myself, I've wanted to get some more three tight end builds, because naturally... There just comes a point in every one of those drafts, rounds 12 through 16, I'm finding another tight end there that I like. You know, I like a lot of those guys, and they'll often slip too. And then you get a little correlation there, and it's just like, all right, I'm always getting my two tight end build. And so I want to make sure I have some builds where I'm getting access to like a guy like Greg Dolchich and Noah Fant and that combo. I'm never getting that combo in two tight end builds because I'm never going to do a Fant and Dolchich two tight end. So that th- those are the kinds of things of like, can I build smart structures? Um, and then get me to different player combos that I don't normally have. 
No, I think it's a really interesting way to look at it. So hopefully the stream is informative for somebody out there. Of course, if you're new around here, we're doing drafts every single show, Mondays, Thursdays, and Fridays, the rest of the season, or the rest of the offseason, rather. So uh, hopefully it helps these people out out there. Pete, and uh, I feel like any any pro tips for, because I feel like we had some new viewers today, any pro tips for uh, the people who are jumping in for the first time and and really just perplexed about what's going on? I mean, honestly, the, the best way is like just to do a bunch of drafts. I mean, I, I don't know what the line is. You know, Malcolm Gladwell said 10,000 hours. I don't think you need 10,000 drafts. I would say like, I don't know what, maybe around 25 drafts. Like once you have 25 drafts under your belt, I think you start to really get the lay of the land. And I'll, of course, plug. I made some evergreen videos on my Deposit Kingdom channel. Um Zero RB and the secrets to best ball. That one is all about running back structures. Then I did one about week 17 and kind of stacking and correlation and how to think about the tournaments through a DFS lens. And then I did one on the type of players to target the archetypes, the guys who typically finish the season strong. So I do really think those three videos, just from a tournament perspective, swinging for the fences, building super teams that can win you $2 million. I think that will get you on the right track and then just getting reps um, I know we don't have a puppy right now. The $25 price point can be a little bit more on underdog. Um, pick your spots. Uh, if you are looking for softer drafts, do them at night. I'm telling you, it is mm -hmm. night and day for me on underdog. If I do a 2 p.m. draft, I think I did one on, uh, we were driving back on Sunday and uh, Lauren was driving and I was like, all right, I'll hop in a draft. And uh, it was a brutal room. And then I do my night drafts at 11 p.m. midnight and so much softer and like to the point where it's not even anecdotal anymore. They're just completely different rooms. So those, those are some of my quick, quick tips off the top. Yeah, I would say if you want to check out some of mine, check out the Friday stream. I opened up with a PowerPoint again, brought out the old PowerPoint to show the what I thought were the six best best lessons I've had from drafting over 450 teams now. And like Pete talked about, drafting a lot of them, getting comfortable with ADPs, knowing how to work a room. I think it's probably the biggest takeaway that I also said on Friday. So I'm glad we're on the same page. Make sure you follow at Peter Rivers at follow at Chris Spags, follow at Splash Play Pod. We will follow you back, whether it be on Twitter or Instagram as well. Uh, so please go follow us on there. Pete and I will be back on Thursday. Pete, what are the plugs for you? Any good shows coming up this week? What do I got going on uh, tonight? A uh, plug for me driving to go get my car that has been in the shop for <laughs> a month. Uh, I will plug that. Excited to have my whip back. Uh, tomorrow we're going to do an afternoon edition of Club Top Shot, although more pertaining for this audience, I believe I need to confirm, I believe I'm doing the Hertzik ETR stream tomorrow at 1 p.m. So I will be the sack of potatoes in the thumbnail drafting with the Best Ball Mania 1 winner. I have to say, uh, I drafted with Herzig over the weekend on, on Underdog, and I think I fucked a team up, Pete. I think in that, <laughs> I think in that one league, that's that's where I really crushed. Uh, Lunchable sneaking in a uh, super chat here under the wire. Raise our fuel, hike up our gas and baby formula. Who cares? But don't touch the nipples or do. It was $299 only an hour ago. Lunchable, I mean, if you would have just sent those three $499 super chats together, I mean, I would have, fine, I'll give you a little over-the-shirt rub for uh for your for your donation at least gotta at least puff it up a little bit but you gotta turn up the ac a little bit in this heat wave yeah exactly there you go that's all you all get right. for 4.99 these days inflation <laughs> comes for us all <laughs> thanks for watching guys we appreciate you all come back thursday at 2 30 we'll see you guys then enjoy your weeks bye